Dear Lord, we have read in Nehemiah, the 8th chapter and the 10th verse, where it says, Be ye not sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Lord, we don't want to belong to any sorrowful religion. We want to belong to the joyful religion of Jesus Christ. And you've told us that song is a weapon that can always combat the evil one. Help us, Lord, to rejoice and sing and praise your name as we move toward the heavenly harbor. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for healing now that is resting upon each listener in a very special way to the fullest extent of your infinite love and wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. And I was greatly impressed with Nehemiah 8.10 where it says, Be ye not sorry. And I have thought many times, isn't it a tragedy to see a sorry Christian, a person who has a sorry religion? My, my. The Lord says, don't do that. Don't go like a mourner all the way to your father's house. And so I have uh, duplicated a few songs, and I'm not sure that you, dear ones, even know these songs. So uh, we want to teach them anyway, or refer to them, uh, to our listeners. The first one is, uh, has been adapted from the song called Standing on the Promises of God, and we have changed the words a little, munching on the promises of God. And the reason we've changed the wording is because you remember in, uh, in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, it says, uh, He will heal us. And in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, it says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. We're going to develop this a little more fully in our next session together and uh, explain how actually I taught people to munch on the promises of God. And uh, we're going to refer to the croutons <laughs> and how we used to back home like the croutons. You know, they're still selling the croutons around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. They go over big, these good hard pieces. And, and now they have flavored them up, Pastor, in a beautiful way. God's words already were flavored when they came forth from his mouth. So Jeremiah could say, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. The Lord is delightful. I remember sometimes I've said to people uh, about the promises, I've said they're delicious, and the audience would snicker. And I said, why shouldn't they be delicious? Jeremiah said, thy words were found. I did eat them. Do you think that the Lord is going to give us any word that's not delicious? You see, because they c come from the very source of deliciousness. So munching on the promises of healing love. Sent to sick and weary hearts from Christ above, brought by wings of angels and the heavenly dove, munching on the promises of God. Now, we have almost quoted sentence by sentence or phrase by phrase healing promises. Uh, munching on the promises, that's Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. sent to sick and weary hearts from Christ above, that's Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word and healed them. Uh, brought by wings of angels and the heavenly dove, every act of the ministry of Christ was joined by angels and the heavenly dove, the Holy Spirit. So every healing of Christ was participated in by angels, by the Holy Spirit, by Christ. Now he's invited us to unite with him. So they're angels, the Holy Spirit, Christ, and we who are his messengers. And then so it says, uh, munching on the promises of God. Then the chorus is munching, munching, munching on the promises of God, our Savior. Munching, munching. I'm munching on the promises of God. Uh, some time ago, about four years ago, Pastor, we started uh, improvising or changing, adapting the words from standing to munching. And as I looked in the face of the audience, I would see sort of an incredulous look. Munching? munching. They almost wondered whether it was good or whether it was beautiful or whether it was delicious or whether it was ordinary. I said, yes, that's what we do. Thy words were found and I'd eat, eat them. Keep remembering Jeremiah 15, 16. Don't think that you're out of place in munching on the promises of God. 
Don't think you're out of place in saying, how do you munch? Thank you, Lord, for your healing love. Thank you, you've said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Thank you, you've said, he will heal us. Thank you, Lord, you said to the leper, be thou clean. And you're saying the same thing to me, be thou clean. And now, Lord, I'm just relaxing. I'm drinking in. I'm masticating. I'm assimilating your word as I've been taught in that beautiful book, The Minister of Healing, page 122. It says, received assimilated. They're the strength of the character, the strength and the courage of the life. Now, this goes something like this. And uh, maybe none of you know this. If you do, either hum along with me. And I'm sure you, you've never heard of this before, have you, uh, Damon? Uh, munching. Let's see, I don't even know how to... <clears throat> All right. Munching on the promises of healing love. All right, now any of you who do know it, would you either hum it or would you sing it? And if you, if you can bring in a little alto, that's fine. Dottie, I love your alto voice. And uh, so we'll try. Munching on the promises of healing love, sent to sick and weary hearts from Christ above, brought by wings of angels and the heavenly dove, munching on the promises of love. Well, you did very well. And now the chorus. Munching, munching, munching on the promises of God, my Savior. Munching, munching, I'm munching on the promises of God. And you out in, in your homes, you can pick up this song and you can sing it because you've heard it and you'll be practicing it. Now the second stanza as I adapted it goes like this. Munching on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. Oh, doesn't the devil haunt us with this howling storms of doubt? The devil says you don't really believe it. By the living word of God I shall prevail. Munching on the promises of God. Let's try it together. Munching on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Munching on the promises of God Munching, munching Munching on the promises of God, my Savior. Munching, munching. I'm munching on the promises of God. I want to tell you, friends, when I began learning 30 years ago that it was my privilege to munch on the promises instead of the old bone of doubt, that the devil wants to put in my mouth, it made a world of difference. You see, when I munch on the promises, I'm thinking about the Lord, Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. And all the promises are actually Jesus. When we claim a promise for wisdom in James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, actually we're claiming Jesus. For 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Christ is made unto us wisdom. Now, I cannot understand how Christ is made unto me wisdom as I claim a promise for wisdom. I don't understand all the details, but I believe it. I believe the virgin birth. I don't understand it. I believe it with all my heart. So as we're munching on the promises, we're really doing what Jesus said in John 6, 53 and John 6, 63. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And then shall we all turn to the 63rd verse, if you brought your Bibles today, John 6, 63. And you'll notice here what he says it means to eat his word, to eat his flesh, to drink his blood. How do we munch on his, fle his flesh? How do we sip at his 
blood. John 6, 63. Here it is. Uh, together. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So as we munch on his promises, wonderful things can take place. Now, so we're advocating that we sing away our worries, our, our sickness. And here is a quotation from my favorite author. Oh, how beautiful it is. And it is based on 826 texts of Scripture. 826. If God gives us one Scripture, He means it. If He gives us two, He must be emphasizing it. If He gives us a dozen, brother, He really must mean business. He has given us 826 texts of Scripture because singing, rejoicing, praising the Lord is a weapon. And here's how my favorite author words it. Song is a weapon that we can always use against discouragement as we thus open the heart to the sunlight of the Savior's presence, we shall have health and his blessing. Isn't that tremendous? As we open our hearts to the Savior's presence, you see, as we sing, his presence saturates us. The Bible says so. Psalm 22, 3 tells us that God actually saturates the praising spirit as we, as we sing his praises. The Lord Jesus comes down in a very outstanding way, far more than in prayer. And the text says, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. I'd read that for 25 years before I knew what it meant. Because the word inhabit and the word Israel, you know, kind of threw me some of these almost archaic expressions. But in the modern language, it would be this. God saturates the praising heart with his presence. And in 1 John 5, 12, he that has the Son has life, you see. Oh, how many times I have found in my own life as I begin to praise the Lord in a mysterious way, known only to God, he comes down and he fills me with his presence. And there's healing in his presence. Oh, thou that dwells, that saturates the heart of the praising individual with his presence. So now, we have another little song here. But before we sing it, during our healing laboratory programs, a number of questions have come in. And I think it would be only appropriate that during our singing and our teaching others to open our hearts to God's healing love by singing, that we would answer some of these very, very uh, earnest, sincere questions. I've asked Pastor Verstey if he will uh, present about four of these questions. Now, before we sing again. One person has this question, Pastor Kuhn. Do you believe like Christian science? That's a good question, isn't it? Uh, before I answer it in full, let me state that 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honor all men. While I may not believe as other people do fully, I am not to dishonor them. I am not to look down upon them just because they may not understand the word of God as I do. First Peter 2.17, honor all men. So I honor all of my friends of the Christian science profession. I honor, by God's grace, my friends in all other denominations. But there's a difference between honoring the person's sincerity and believing as he believes. No, I, let me give you an experience I had with a very fine Christian science friend. Uh, he was uh, asking me if, if I didn't believe as they do, something like this questioner. And I said, well, I said, you have something wonderful. I said, you people are, are possessed of, 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 of positives. It's beautiful, your positives. But I said, you know, I have something even better. I said, now, I don't have to deny the existence of evil. I said, to show you how powerful my God is. My God admits evil. Now, and then he says, he will overcome the evil. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. He says, this is his power. He says there is sin. 
He said, all have sinned, Romans 6.23. He admitted that the wages of sin is death. That's Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. I said, don't you see how much more powerful a God is who admits evil, who recognizes sickness, and then conquers it? I said, that's a, it takes a much bigger God to do that than for him to come along and say, I don't know there is any evil. Well, then what is he conquering if there is no evil? If there's no sin and sickness, what is he conquering? But he comes to me and said, my friend Glenn Coon, there is sickness. You are sick. But my power will relieve you of this sickness. I am the Lord that healeth you. And my beautiful friend, the Christian scientist, smiled. A new thought was accepted into his mind. And so I'm very grateful to the Lord that we don't have to deny any facts. We reach up to him who said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, <clears throat> Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. I am powerful. I am powerful enough. And in the Old Testament, he said, when I saw you so sick, when I saw you in your blood, I said to you, live, live. He, he doesn't deny the fact that there's sin and suffering and bloodshed. But he said, I am, there's all power in heaven and earth in me. Do you have another question, Pastor Verste, that's been sent in? Yes. This next question asks, is there a solution or a Bible promise I can claim to the problem of bedwetting? Yes. Now, of course, none of us uh, sitting here at this time are medical doctors. And so we're not trying to diagnose this from a medical standpoint, only from what experience we've already had in Christ and with others. We've come to the conclusion that bedwetting, in most cases, if not in all cases, is a condition of frustration. For instance, I have several friends who either themselves or their children are afflicted. And one of our friends, uh, we decided we'd learn a little more concerning this experience and find if, if we could detect from the Word of God something, you see, that they could use. And we, did, we learned this, that in the home where this young lad, even his early teens, had not overcome this. He was very much embarrassed. His parents were embarrassed. We found in the home there was frustration. We learned that in the home they'd never learned the, how to adapt to the command of Philippians 2.14. It says, let all things be done without murmurings and disputings. There was a lot of murmuring in the home. There was a lot of disputing. There was a lot of consequent frustration. And this boy was frustrated. And the result was evident. And we said, now let's watch and let's do everything in our power to bring in this home the peace of Jesus, where there will be not murmurings, there will not be disputings. It says, do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, <laughs> the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. As that home cleared up and as peace was restored, this boy no longer had the problem. There are many adults that still have this problem. And in every case that I have met, the problem has been definitely associated with deep personal frustration. So we can come to the Lord and turn to Jesus and say, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. You see, for Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So as these huge personal family marital problems come up, we can turn to Jesus and claim his, promise of, his promises for wisdom. There's one other question here, Pastor Kuhn. I often think of leprosy as a very ancient disease, but here someone writes in and asks, is there a promise I can claim for my friend who has leprosy? Yes, and uh, many years ago, if a person had put that question in, I'd have thought they're almost out of their mind, especially here in America. But we have had some experiences ourselves with lepers. A lady from America came down to the to the mission field where my wife and I were missionaries, she and her husband. They ate at our table. And bless your heart, 
we learn that she was afflicted with leprosy. You can imagine the first reaction on our nervous system. We've eaten with a leper. She's used our silverware. She's drunk out of our cups and glasses. <laughs> this lady learned something about God's power, and there's a promise. And the promise is the same promise he gave to the leper as recorded in Matthew 8, verses 1 and 2. The leper came and he said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus said, I will be thou clean. And the word of God is alive. It lives forever. That lady came back. She took the medicine that science had prescribed. And I wouldn't say whether the leprosy was cured or arrested. I'm not knowledgeable enough in the medical terms. But she's had no problem since. So what the Lord has done for her, he can do for us under like faith and like circumstances. Let's take one or two more questions, and then we'll try another song. Pastor, this next one is one I think that all of us have asked at one time or another. How can I tell if healing is divine? Now, that is a tremendous question. Let us quote two or three texts first. First is 1 Peter 2.17, Honor all men. Many individuals have come to me through the years, and they've asked me questions about certain so-called healers. Uh, I think that, that one that they've asked me about more than anybody else has been uh, Earl, uh, Oral Roberts. I remember we were holding a series of meetings out in California several years ago, and there was a division in the minds of some of the people. Can you believe that Oral Roberts' healing are of God or not? And I, I said, now, first of all, they said there are a couple ladies in this church family that are planning to leave California and travel several hundred miles to his place for healing. They said... <laughs> You'd be surprised at this and smile a little. Would you go over and tell them not to go? I said, I'll go over. <laughs> but I'll not tell them not to go. What? I will go. So as I went and knocked at the door and entered the home, one of the first questions, I said, I understand that there's sickness here. One of the first questions was, tell me, do you believe that Oral Roberts is a Christian? I said, absolutely. And uh, why? First Peter 217. Honor all men. I have no proof that this person or that person or some other person is not a Christian. In fact, I have done some studying in the background of this one Christian to give us uh, uh, more light on how we should view people who may be used of the Lord in a certain degree of healing. I learned that Oral Roberts was sick unto death. I think he had TB. A man of God came into where he was, placed his hands on him, and all Roberts was healed, completely healed. And his reaction was, as I've heard the story, and I think I have it right, Oh, Lord Jesus, look at what you've done for me. I'd like to share your blessings with others. Wouldn't it be a tragic thing for me now to do what God has never authorized me to do? God has never authorized me to judge somebody else's healings. In Matthew 7, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. You see? So God has given me the privilege of witnessing to Jesus. Acts 1.8. I can tell people what a wonderful Savior He is, but God has never given me the official position as a judge. And whenever I start judging people, I'm out of the witness chair in the judge's chair. Can you imagine a man walking to a courtroom? They've asked him to come in as a witness. And he starts talking up to the judge's chair. And he said, I'm going to sit in the judge's chair. And they said, no, no. And the bailiff will chase him out. <laughs> we didn't call, you have no credentials as a judge. <laughs> you are called to be a witness. And Jesus says, you're my witnesses. What a tragedy for me to get out of the witness chair and get over in the judge's chair and uh, look down my long nose and say, I tell you, because this man doesn't understand Scripture as I do. He's not of God. <laughs> so I, I said to these ladies, yes, I believe in his Christianity. 
Uh, he doesn't understand all the Bible, as I do. But I have no right to judge a man's motives because he doesn't understand Scripture, as I do. You remember, Apollos was met by Aquila and Priscilla, and they guided him in a more light. But they didn't climb the judge's chair and start judging him, you see. In fact, in Isaiah, the 58th chapter, we are told that one of the big reasons why we are sick is because we are beginning to judge people. It says, stop pointing your finger at others. Now, when I point my finger at, uh, at the beautiful ministry of Oral Roberts or anyone else, and I start judging his motives, you know what? I'm pointing three fingers at myself. <laughs> and the Bible says, the first finger I'm pointing at myself is Romans, the second chapter in the first verse. It says, when you condemn another, you're condemning yourself. And the second is, it says, since I'm guilty of the very thing that I'm condemning someone else, it makes me a hypocrite. <laughs> Matthew 5, Matthew 7, 1 to 5. Then since I, as I have gotten into the wrong chair, the judge's chair, which belongs exclusively to Jesus, John 5, 22, it says, The Father judged no man, only the Son. All, commit, all judgment is committed to the Son. Not even an angel judges. The Father doesn't judge. Now, when I start getting into that chair... It makes me an associate antichrist. Second Thessalonians 2, 2 to 4 says, The antichrist, the man of sin, will try to take Christ's chair. So as I sat down and chatted with these ladies, Do you believe that uh, the Lord has healed people through Oral Roberts? I said, I have no reason in the world to disbelieve. Well, they said, we're interested. But I said, let me share with you this. You don't have to go 500 miles to see Oral Roberts. Jesus says, Lo, I'm with you always. He's right here. So why don't we look up into his face? Why don't we claim his promise? You don't have to go. The Bible says the word of God isn't across the sea somewhere. You have to go over there. It isn't up in heaven. You have to travel there. It isn't down in the depths of the ocean. It says he's right with us. I said, how would you like to open God's immutable, healing, loving, healing word? And we'll ask God's healing love to flow your way. And we did that. And I think, Pastor, before we go into the next question, we ought to again. You know, for several sessions, we've been claiming God's healing love. I've been claiming His Holy Spirit all through the sessions. And we want people to do that in the next session as well. And though we may not be praying a long prayer for healing, the big thing is to open our hearts continually to healing. And we prayed for these dear ladies, and I want to tell you, the change that came over those ladies is tremendous. So do, how can we tell we don't have to be judges? Aren't you glad? But we do know that Jesus says, I will heal you. So why don't we right now, not wait for the close of this service, why don't we right now again ask the Lord to send his word and heal? And let's ask him, um, uh, among the healings, that we want to place uh, at the apex, apex, the, the zenith of this, that he'll heal us of our tendency to judge people. Dear Lord, wherein we have judged other Christians, when Jesus said to John, when John said, we saw somebody casting out devils in your name, and we told him, quit it, and Jesus said, don't do that. Lord, help us not in the last days of human history when there are so many that are true and, of course, there are so many that are false because you've said so. Help us, Lord, not to engage in this awful sin of judging others, but help us to look to you for healing. Thank you now, Lord, as the earnest, ill, the afflicted ones are now looking to you as we sing, as we pray, as we read your word. Thank you, there's healing we don't have to race around the country. Right now we look to you. And Lord, help them to open every fiber of their being to your healing love right now. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we have another song that fits right into what we've been uh, studying together. It is Revive Us Again. Uh, and uh, I don't think, uh, Damon and Mary Lou, that you've ever heard this song. It goes something like this, and I may not pitch it right. Uh, 
Revive us again, with his stripes we are healed. What a blessed Redeemer to cure and to shield. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. In the audience back home and those here, you can hum or you can sing with me. We'll try it. Revive us again. With his stripes we are healed. What a blessed Redeemer to cure and to shield. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. And I feel revived just in singing it, don't you? Our Lord is a great revival of all human history. He revives us spiritually, mentally, and physically. And now for a few more questions, Pastor. This next one is, is one that so many honest people are asking. Is acupuncture scientific? Well, that, thank you for asking the question. And uh, first of all, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> you know, it's a wonderful thing for a man to keep his place. And if a person who is not a scientist is to answer whether a thing is scientific without a, a thus saith the Lord, you see, is for him to assume a role that will destroy himself. And I would like, as I share with you a text of Scripture, I would like to share with all our people back home this Scripture, which is Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 16. And I pray to the Lord that the Lord will help us all to read this and to reread it, to munch on it, to study it, to ask God for the Holy Spirit to impress it upon us. Now remember that what the question was, is it scientific? Now notice Ecclesiastes 7, 16. Shall we all read it together? Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself over wise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself. Now this is dealing with two phases of human thought. One is the phase of being over-righteous, righteous over much. Now many people have not understood this because the Bible says that we are righteous in Jesus. We should be righteous. We should be righteous, but this says don't be righteous over much. What would that mean? That means don't be conscience for somebody else. Just like we covered in the last question. And then it says, and then it says, neither make thyself overwise. Now, the Bible does tell us to be wise. You'll find statements and promises all through the Bible of wisdom. But what is it to be overwise? Ah, it's to, it's to claim to be scientific when I'm not a scientist. <laughs> It's, claimed that I, it's claiming that I know what other people should do. I don't know whether acupuncture is scientific or not. I, I can tell you this. We have a very, very dear doctor friend of ours who is practicing it. And the Lord, I think, has used it to bless very much. We have a friend who is a dentist. This dentist has taken these treatments for many months. The doctor who administers them is a beautiful Christian. And I've noticed that as he administers this, neither the dentist who receives it nor the medical doctor who gives it is saying anything about any word of God not being true. So Isaiah 8.20 says, To the word and to the testimony, the law and the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, there's no light in them. The doctor who is, who is giving this treatment has never said, now, since you're helped by this program, I want you to know that this part of the Bible has been changed. Oh, then we'd know it at once, that this association is wrong. It doesn't mean that the procedure itself would be wrong, right or wrong. It would mean that the, that the man was wrong in how he adapted it. 
Now, many people may adapt this in connection with some oriental philosophy that's totally unbiblical. But uh, the, the oriental philosophies breathe, breathe also. Shall I stop breathing because some oriental philosophy is wrong and they breathe? You know, in the early Christian era, the early Christians found the pagans were engaging in a lot of physical exercise. So the Christians stopped exercising. <laughs> Shall I stop breathing? Shall I stop looking? Shall I stop listening? Because people who have the wrong philosophy breathe and they see and they listen. No, no, no. But this specific doctor and other doctor friends of ours who is administering this, in no way are they relating this to the thought that some part of the Bible needs to be changed. So I thank the Lord we don't have to be judges. Oh, you know, it hurts me, it wounds me very much when I find people who are so quick to judge what somebody else is doing. They don't know. They don't know what they should know. Namely, Isaiah thirty fifteen, In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I've told often about the lady who stood to make a commitment in one of our meetings. You'll get it in many of our tapes, and I think it ought to be repeated more even than I'm repeating it. She stood to make a commitment. She was not a member of our particular church family. But I made the, we made the call so broadly that anyone could make a commitment to the Lord as they understood the Lord. And the moment she made this commitment, a member of our local church family got up quickly, hastily from where she was as the meeting closed, made her way through the pews hastily, made her way down the aisle. When she got within about 10 feet or so of this lady, the lady raised both hands. <laughs> she said, lady, lady, please just pray for me and, 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 and shut up. So when you and I are tempted to be know-it-alls, <laughs> when we're tempted to know what everybody else should do or what anybody else should do, <laughs> Let us say, oh God, help somebody to pray that I'll shut up <laughs> and help me to fulfill their prayer. All right, do you have another question, Pastor? Yes, this person asks uh, about your personal experience, I think. I have heard, Pastor Kuhn, that you have cancer. Do you have it now or has the Lord healed you? That's a good question. In 1953, I was told that I had cancer. This medical doctor was an outstanding man an outstanding medical doctor. I uh, took the treatment that he gave. Nine months later, he gave me tests, said there was not a sign of it. That's 1953. In 1959, I was sick almost unto death. I came back to him, was on my bed. I heard him tell the other physician friend of his that my cancer was terminal. That was in 1959. Let's see, how many years ago is that? That's about 19 years. If my cancer was terminal then, I thank the Lord he's given me a 19-year term. <laughs> now, whether I have it now or not, I don't know. I'm, he said it was cancer of the stomach. I'm not going to dig down into my stomach to see if I have cancer. I'm going to dig down in the promises of God that he'll continue to give me healing till my ministry is done. One more question. Can identify with this next question, I think. Is there a promise in the Word of God for a workaholic? Uh, a workaholic or a foodaholic? Oh, it's a foodaholic. Oh, I'm sorry. I, it's a, a there are some of the others, too, <laughs> yeah, I think. But this one is same. a foodaholic. All right. Let's give a text for each. For a workaholic would be Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord. <laughs> And wait patiently for him. <laughs> and Isaiah thirty fifteen, In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Now for the foodaholic. Foodaholic. That, that, that's a man who eats too much. Oh, all right. Well, the first was for the man who works too much. Second is for the man or lady who eats too much. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's wonderful how the Lord in his providence works things out so that we can be a blessing to other hearts. For instance, I was attending, and I've shared this other places, and I'm going to share this again because they've asked for it in the healing laboratory program. 
I was attending uh, one of these five-day plans for stop smoking, and I had noticed through my ministry that when people stop smoking, most of them gain weight right away. And I didn't know the answer. Of course, I'd say pray, but the Lord says, come let us reason together, Isaiah 118. This medical doctor, as he was closing his five-day plan, he said, now, folks, as you, as you leave off the smoking habit, in all probability, you'll start getting weight unless... And he said, I have a scientific answer, a scientific solution. He said, eat a good meal in the morning, which most of America doesn't. And for years I didn't. <laughs> eat a good meal at noon. Eat nothing after the noon meal. And you can lose one pound a week. He said, science has proven it. Which means in one year you could have lost 52 pounds. You know, when I thought of one pound a week, I thought that's pretty slow. When I thought of losing 52 pounds in a year, I said, that's pretty good. <laughs> so he said, it's true. There's no exception that he, that he knew of. There may be some rare exceptions, glandular difficulties. Just, I think the next place we held a series, we're talking about the promises of God. And I met a lady who had, whose daughter, maybe nine years old, had been crushed between a truck and a car. And the mother, of course, in frustration, began to eat and gain weight and gain weight and eat and eat and gain weight. And there's something that seems to be related between eating and gaining weight. <laughs> and, and I saw her one day that week during our series. She was walking up the road, and as she neared me, her face just beamed. She said, Pastor, I have a promise from God for my obesity. And she was smiling, and she was bubbling over with joy. I said, what is it? She said, it is Psalm 22, 26. And for the life of me, I didn't know what it said without looking to it. She said, it says, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. And I thought, oh, my. I thought to myself, the lady certainly has twisted that text. But she hadn't. In a book by my favorite author entitled Testimonies to Ministers, page 111, it says, no human mind can possibly probe the depths of one single promise. It says one person will view it from one angle and he's thrilled. Another person from another angle. He's delighted. No human mind can probe the depth of a single promise. But we can enjoy them. You see, because God's Word is infinite. It's like a diamond, multifaceted, you see. And I'd always thought of that promise. Now I remembered it. I thought it meant when a man is starving, God will give him food, you see, if he claims the promise. But she took it to mean, I will be satisfied when I've eaten enough. <laughs> and she said, it works, Pastor Kuna, it works. I said, well, thank the Lord. Now I had what the doctor had said about eating no meal after noon meal. I had what the lady had claimed from God's Word. The next series we went to, we went into a church where there are many of these people who eat and gain a little weight, you know. And one of them, <laughs> one of them was about four foot tall and three foot wide. And she said, Pastor, what can I do for obesity? I said, I know, I know. <laughs> and all I knew, I, somebody told me. <laughs> I said, leave off the meal, anything, anything after the noon meal, and claim Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six, And you can lose how much? A pound a week. She said, all right, I'll do it. Five days later, I believe it was, she reported she said, I did exactly what you suggested. Now, how much should she have lost in five days? If you lose a pound in a week, how much should you lose in five days? Five-sevenths of a pound, right. Rather deep. <laughs> five-sevenths of a pound. She had lost 15 pounds. Now I know what the Lord means when he says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Tremendous, tremendous. She ate the next day and gained three pounds back. <laughs> now, there are several others in the same church. I won't go into detail. And they had the same experience. One lady I'll have to tell you about, she said she was a teacher. She was a big, tall lady. She said, I've gone all over the country trying to lose weight. I've tried every program I can think of. None of them work. I told her the same thing. Eat a big breakfast, eat a good dinner, eat nothing for supper. Oh, she said, Pastor, I eat my big meal at, at night because... I'm in school. I eat just a little lunch in school. I said, switch your big supper to the big breakfast. She, she said, Pastor, if I don't eat supper, 
I can't sleep. I said, claim the promise of Proverbs 3, 24. Thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. <laughs> All right. She came back maybe three days later. She said, Pastor, I did what you recommended. She said, at night, I claimed the promise that God would make my sleep sweet. I slept like a log. You know how a log sleeps? Doesn't move a limb. <laughs> it doesn't move a board foot. <laughs> and she said, I'm losing a pound a day, not a pound a week. Isn't it wonderful? Now I think, friends, that, that as we're nearing to the close of this session, I think that we ought to throw in uh, Isaiah 58 for all of us. The 58th chapter of Isaiah is most important for healing. In the 8th verse, we'll read this. Shall we turn to it and read it together? Isaiah 58. And we'll read the 8th verse together. And then we'll just uh, briefly summarize <clears throat> what are some of these conditions. 8. Together. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Let's stop there. Thine health shall spring forth what? Speedily. Back about, uh, oh, maybe nearly 30 years ago, we're, we were giving a radio series in Nashville, Tennessee, on the topic, Prayer is Power. I had a friend of mine who had been in college with me. We had taught school together. And he'd always been a melancholy type of individual, always wanting people to help him, always wanting us to pray for him. I'd prayed for that man I don't know how many hundreds of times. It didn't seem to help. He was still, still had that same long face like a mule, you know. His lower lip cupped like the mule to take the evening offering, you know. And that was his religion. And as I was giving this series, he and I were writing back and forth. And he was saying, Glenn... He said, I'm not getting any better. And I said, Al, in Isaiah, the 58th chapter and the 8th verse, in fact, the whole chapter says, if you will be others-centered instead of self-centered, your health will spring forth speedily. I said, the sick, according to Isaiah 58, one of the very greatest therapies for a sick person is to immediately forget his sickness and immediately finding somebody else who is worse off than himself and pray for them. The Holy Spirit had impressed me to do that all through school. Nobody would mention it, but every time I would get down spiritually, I'd hunt up somebody else who was having a rough time. And as far as I remember, the Lord helped me never to tell them how down I was. I'd pray for them, and when I, when I went back, I was well, you know, spiritually. So I said, Al, I want to strongly, earnestly urge you to hunt up somebody and several others who are having a rough time in their experience. And you pray for them. Think about them. Encourage them. Forget your ills. He was still able to be around. But I know that if, I, I know if I'd had the melancholy look that he has, uh, even though I, I'm well, I'd be sick. Any well person could be sick with that, with that face. <laughs> Not the features, but the melancholy. I said, I earnestly solicit, Al, just try it. Try it, Al. God promises. He cannot lie. A few days later, friends, I received a letter from Al. He said, Glenn, I did what you told me. He said, I have started hunting up people who are in trouble. I've never told them about my ills. I've gone to them and prayed with them and, and encouraged them and blessed them. And he said, I can't feel an ache nor a pain. Oh, friends. Oh, we know so many people. I'm thinking of a, a friend of ours. If that lady would have just once forgotten her ills, instead of saying, I need, I need your help, I need your sympathy, I need, I need, I need, to say, the world needs me. The world needs my smiles. The world needs my sympathy. Everywhere I go, with everyone with whom I brush shoulders, they need, they need my encouragement. God says, your health will spring forth speedily. Oh, how important it is. Now, I don't know just how many minutes we have left, uh, but I believe we have about five minutes. And in these five minutes, I thought it would be well 
if we'd open our Bibles once more to Psalm 107, verse 20. And here it says, and the 17th verse tells us, <coughs> the 17th verse tells us that people make fools of themselves <laughs> and they draw near to the grave. Then the 19th verse says they cry to God and He hears them. And now the 20th verse together. He sent His Word and, and healed, healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let us together pray a prayer. And those of you who are listening, those who are viewing, those of you back home, wherever you are, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to repeat phrase by phrase together. Our Father in heaven, we come to you. We come to you. Through Jesus, our physician. Through Jesus, our physician. We're claiming your promise of healing. We're claiming your promise of healing. To heal those that are viewing. To heal those who are viewing. To heal friends of ours who are ill. To heal friends of ours who are ill. And to heal our selfishness. And to heal our selfishness. That focuses on our own needs instead of theirs that focuses on our own needs instead of theirs. You've said you're sending your word. You've said you're sending your word. Lord, we believe it. Lord, we believe it. We thank you that you're doing it. We thank you that you are doing it. Your healing love is flowing their way. Your healing love is flowing their way. Help them to voice it. Help them to voice it. Help them to believe it. Help them to believe it. Help them to sing it. Help them to sing it. Help them to testify it. Help them to testify. Everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. And now, dear Lord. And now, dear Lord. With the stripes of Jesus. With the stripes of Jesus. We're healed. We are healed. To the fullest extent. To the fullest extent. Of your infinite love and wisdom. Of your infinite love and wisdom. In dear Jesus' name. In dear Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.